Welcome back to the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by Ed M., myself, Steve, Daniel, all the way from the UK, Gina, and Mike from the Communist State of New Jersey. Good afternoon, everybody, and thank you for being here. Hey, everybody. Good afternoon, Good afternoon guys. Um, Happy right Thanksgiving, before... everybody. Yes. <sighs> Happy right Day. before the show started, we mentioned the topic of Christianity. And since we have somebody here all the way from the UK, I had seen this story that apparently Christians are now a minority in the UK. Did you see that? Yeah, yeah. There was Somebody did joke recently that uh, if uh, a couple of the Arab nations go out, um, England will be the only Muslim nation left in the World Cup, you know, so. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> 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 but no, yeah, well, I mean, we've been very secular for a very long time. And and that those census results, they're not even accurate, really, because there are plenty of people who will put down Christian who never attend church, um, you know, know virtually nothing about Christianity. Um, so uh, there's there's millions of people probably included in that who aren't really Christians in any meaningful sense. Right. I mean, it kind of jives with this story that I had also shared. I think I shared with you in the show notes. German chancellor proposes Islamization of Germany. Yeah. Just to see that. I mean, Europe is just sort of surrendering. Um, I mean, surrendering would, would imply that there'd been some resistance, first of all, wouldn't it? Um, it it's it's. Um, you know, it's total capitulation, but not really even that. It's, it's complicity because, um, you know, I think our um, leaders, our political elite, um, have absolutely no sense that anything is being lost by this process. Um, they, you know, there's the famously with... Uh, uh, we've, we've just had those census results that showed that um, less than 50% of people identify as Christian. They also showed that in 10 years, roughly 10 years, there's been a 5% drop in the percentage of the population of the UK who are uh, white. Um, you know, these are massive demographic shifts and in an unprecedentedly short period of time. Um, and the lesson of history is that shifts on this scale um, result in the um, extinction or complete change of culture. Um, and we seem to think that that's perfectly okay and fine. And uh, when Nigel Farage um, raised the issue uh, and made comment on the census results, um, Sajid Javid, uh, the prominent um, Muslim Tory minister, um, uh, or an ex-minister, um basically replied so what uh you know and that's the supposedly right-leaning party in the uk um so we're we're in a position where um it's almost as if they will discuss these figures now because they think that it's gone past the point of no return and they think that they can discuss it now because previously they didn't even talk about it. And we had a big gap between uh, there was a census in 2011 and then there was this one. And uh, it was it was a, a big gap and they generally don't talk about it in the media at all. 
suddenly they're talking about it. And, uh, you know, I put a post out, I think they're talking about it because they think that now it's, it's so far advanced that people wouldn't even dream of um, doing anything about it. It's not really past the point of no return until you have a Muslim majority, right? I mean, you know, I looked at some of the stories from, from Qatar for the World Cup. You know, they promised to sell beer. And then all of a sudden, at the last minute, they said, no, go ahead and see what you're going to do about it. Yeah. You know, they kicked out people. I saw there was another story where they kicked people out who wanted to wear crusader outfits. Yeah. You know, in, in a Muslim majority country, there are no dissenting views. You don't get to have your own personal point of view. And if they really thought it was put past the point of no return, I mean, it, the, the society would, would already be very different. I mean, it clearly isn't past the point of no return because you could theoretically stop it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we can, but um, it requires a will that isn't there. Um, certainly yeah. isn't there from, from any of our mainstream political parties. Um, you know, we've got people like Keir Starmer, the, the, the Labour leader, I don't know if I told you this before, but he said um, uh, the priority of government is illegal immigrants. Um, that's illegal ones, not legal ones. You know, that they are the priority of government. And he said they are our future. Um, so they're quite open in, in, in welcoming the replacement of the native British population. Um, and they have been really, you know, this is something that's been going on for decades. Um, it ramped up under Tony Blair, where Peter, Ma Peter Manderson, you know, 20 years ago now, said that they sent out um, home office teams looking for people to, to welcome to the UK. Um, and, you know, they were deliberately trying to encourage mass migration then. Um, and we've had 20 years of it and it's just got worse and worse. Uh, over a million people coming to the UK in one year, we've had. Um, and, you know, the, the official overall census figures is, is still saying, you know, 70 million people, 66 million people. Uh, there's far more than that because there's millions of unaccounted for illegals for a start. Wow. Yeah, so, soon by us. Anyway, I only started with that story because we happened to mention it. I want to go back to the very, very, very beginning. And it seems that once again, Apple is uh, making trouble for the world. Sorry for the biblical reference, Gina. <laughs> but it is kind of quaint. Um, apparently, Apple and Elon Musk are starting some type of a war. Edem, comments. Comments on a Apple versus Elon Musk. I sure hope Elon Musk creates his own smartphone. And I hope he doesn't yeah. wait until... You know, I just thought of something very strange. Sorry. The word Elon in Hebrew is tree. So okay. Apple against the tree. It must mean something to somebody. <laughs> well, I hope, he, I hope he creates his own smartphone. Yeah. Uh, I hope he doesn't wait until he gets Twitter kicked out of the Apple, out of the App Store. I would buy his phone in a, in a second. I think he has a great market opportunity if he sells it as a as a way to escape big tech censorship and big tech spying. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't think he should wait. I mean, you know, far be it for me to spend his money and tell him how to spend his time, but um, he apparently has all the infrastructure in place. He's got the satellites in space with Starlink that would allow him to really join, jump into that market full, you know, full front, uh, you know, full time. 
I hope he I hope he comes out and and, and breaks up the the duopoly that that uh, Samsung and and uh, Apple have on on the on the smartphone market because we really need an alternative. Yeah. You well, know, in a way, he reminds me of Trump in the sense that he's crazy and unpredictable and therefore you have to be afraid of him a little bit. Is he somebody nutty enough to try to go into hardware up against Apple? And oh, is that yeah. enough to scare them? Uh, I think that I think so. it is. And I think that they should be scared. I don't think it's I think that people are dying for an alternative. I think 50 50 percent of the population is dying for an alternative. I think he'd have a. a a market, you know, you, you analogize them to Trump. Trump came in in 2016 and serviced a market that was not being served. Conservative people who wanted somebody who would speak to their concerns. Trump himself was not a conservative, but he was smart enough to see that. And he, he exploited that opportunity like a good entrepreneur. Musk is a good entrepreneur. I don't know why he doesn't do it because but wow. there are lots of people that would buy his phone. I have am, no I, am I, I incorrect think... that to build the infrastructure for the hardware would take years? I don't know the answer to that question. He says that he could get it done pretty quickly, but I don't know. I mean, I see him being encouraged to do these things, and I, I wouldn't put it past him at all. I mean, if he's going to, if, if we're going to use the tree analogy, uh, it's a, a tree of a parallel economy, right? That a lot of people would be salivating for, uh, and especially more and more of what we see that Apple is doing. And if anybody watched the Tucker segment last night, it was, uh, it was disgusting. It's just disgusting. And Daniel, you wrote a great uh, piece on it on your Facebook page too, that really summed it up brilliantly. But I mean, the, I can, I can ask you evil. a little bit of what Tucker said and a little bit of what Daniel said for people who are not up on well, it. it. It goes, well, the, the the summary, I guess, is really this. I mean, Apple has taken steps to silence people who are protesting in China against a tyrannical government, while at the same time here, they're basically trying to, to shut up voices of freedom as well. I mean, they, they are an anti-American company. There's no other way to put it. They're yeah, anti-American. Tucker, Tucker they're anti-American. Yeah, I was gonna say Tucker's Tucker's summation was that they're collaborators with the communist regime and yeah. that they're on the side of the totalitarians on both sides of the Pacific. And I right. think that's, that's and, right. and they they couch it, it's couched behind my you know, my responsibility is to the company and being able to sell and market my products around around the world, no matter how evil the regime might be that that, that they're actually dealing with. But I got a quick question because I'm I've never used Apple. I will never use Apple. So I've never had an iPhone. But I do know that there's MacBooks and Air Pros and all this different stuff and AirPods and all of that. So is there anybody on the right side that Eline could partner with to bring those other devices? Because it's not just about cell phones. It that whole app market is in your tablets, it's on your computers. Like Microsoft has their own store to download stuff from. Who does he have to align with? Because it's not just the phones. I don't understand what you're asking him to align with. If he builds his own phone, he builds his app and his own app store too. I'm not right? saying just the app store. I'm saying it, the whole technology, because it can't be just the phones. It's the computers. It's the tablets. It's the software. So I'm not just saying the hardware right. of a cellular device. I'm asking, are there any institutions on the right that we know of 
that he could partner with to completely blow Apple out. I mean, she's talking the entire ecosystem, which is either Microsoft or Apple to build a whole new ecosystem. Right. And Google. Yeah, I mean, part of that, part of the problem there is is how successful Microsoft were in in controlling the software market and the, the amount of market share that they got for themselves. And, you know, um, uh, I, I'm not a computer expert or anything, but the, the amount of uh, market that's available that isn't Microsoft or Apple is quite small, I'm, as I understand it. I, was it on was it on um, Tucker's show that the guy said MAGA Democrats? Yes. Microsoft, Apple, Google and um, Amazon. I love Amazon that. I love that. <laughs> um, that was absolutely brilliant. We should make ads for it. Um, I guess, Gina, I think you could definitely start with a phone. It would be magnificent um, and then see what happens. I just I tend to think it would take a long time to make it work. I would definitely buy a phone off those two grids as long as it worked. I mean, I try very hard to stay off the Google system as much as I can. And at least I don't use Gmail anymore. That's my my one thing. But I'm just wondering, is he crazy enough to do it? And, and then what would happen? I mean, Microsoft I couldn't build a phone. They failed at it. I don't think he would he would dangle it out there if he didn't have an idea on how he could do it. Yeah. Stephen, last week you you made a big point that Elon Musk is no hero. Have you rethought that position? Um, I'm saying he's not necessarily the second coming, and I'm also saying we need to be careful if we abandon those who stood in his place. And I will stick by both of those. I'm not going to say he's a bad guy. I don't know that he's somebody we can count on long term. And I just, again, anybody who stood in the brink for the last several years and tried to build something, if we dump them, I think that's a big mistake. So, yeah, now I, 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 I don't disagree with of... that part. But Daniel, Daniel, a couple of months ago, you wrote a, a post about Kanye West and how when a yeah. billionaire you know, puts his money in our, on our side for once, we should, we should ride him. And you ultimately pulled back on it, given some of the other comments that he made. But I, I have your post in mind thinking, yes, Elon Musk is not perfect. I mean, he even just this week or in the last couple of days said that uh, he's, he's for a, a universal basic in, income. You know, there are things that, he's, that he says that I think are crazy and I don't agree with, but uh, on balance, this guy is is the is the first big money guy to come out on our side, and we should ride him the way the left rides their billionaires. Absolutely, and you know there there are multiple things. There's the universal basic income. There's the fact that he's something of a transhumanist, and he believes in this interface between man and machine, and kind of stretching the boundaries of what's human, uh, which is very very disturbing and worrying stuff. But uh, and is a is a kind of um, ideology that he shares with a lot of the people that we're against. Um, so there's there's definitely worrying things about Elon Musk, but we are fools to reject his assistance and his help, and um, and not recognise that he is doing valuable stuff on in terms of free speech and exactly. the, the level of distress he's caused to the other side uh, in taking over Twitter and in making Twitter more. Uh, balanced and neutral and accountable um, is is enormous, and you know it's a win for us 
And we should celebrate that win. We should accept that win. He said that he acquired Twitter point blank for the reason of creating a public square where people, all people can speak. I mean, that's one of the well, most important well, all things. All people except have. for Alex Jones you know, and anybody else he doesn't like. But yeah, speaking of the whole parallel economy and everything, I mean, this is where the, the left just, you know, the, it's amazing to me how they can put pressure on, on some of these companies. But I know Ed, you're going to say that these companies are on board with them too, and I get that. But it's like he takes over Twitter, and then they start pr pressuring company after company to start stop advertising on Twitter, and they acquiesce, and they all do, a lot of them do it. And it's like, again, this is where, you know, I think all of us are salivating as a who, who if this company wants to play that game, who can I give my business to? And I almost feel like, I mean, I, I think the, the guy at Gab has done a good job with this stuff, too. But I almost feel like, OK, City, City Bank X, let's put a check by a bank over here. You know, you know what I mean? This grocery store stinks. Go to this grocery store. Just give me a list. <laughs> well, the problem is the government obviously makes it difficult to build any of those things. You know, build banks is almost impossible. Grocery stores, there's so many rules. With all, another interesting question, is Disney folding slightly? Is even CNN folding slightly? I mean, Iger apparently made some kind of statement that we need to move slightly away from this woke stuff. I mean, is there some movement to bring them back to almost normalcy? I think they've just lost a lot of money and they're just appeasing a lot of people right now. And that's all that it is. Disney stocks are down 50% from what they were a year ago. And I'm sure their stockholders are just lost expressive. Disney and especially ESPN, which is owned by mm -hmm. Disney. They've lost a lot of subscribers. And, mm -hmm. you know, if you look at ESPN in particular, their market is male, males from 24, 24 to 50 or whatever that age group is. Yeah. And they're spitting in the face of their own customers mm -hmm. and they bled and they're bleeding them. They, they, I think but, they lost you know, 2 million customers last year or 2 million subscribers last year. Um, yeah. You know, at some point the market will work on them. I, I think they're, they're hurt by wokeism, but they're also, you know, the ground's always crumbling beneath your feet. And I think ESPN has been hurt by um, the MLB networks of the world which are more niche um, outlets that cater to like people like me who's really into baseball. You have other stuff too with the other professional sports leagues that people can go to and they don't have to watch sports center anymore. It's just not, I mean, I can't remember the last time I did, you know, so unless, you know, one of my sports teams is on ESPN, I'm really not watching them anymore. There's nothing that attracts me to their product. And yeah, they've done all this other stuff in recent times with BLM and all that kind of stuff. But I, I want to bolster Gina's point. I think the market is starting to work very slightly and they are slightly noticing it and caring because they literally have no choice. I mean, CNN, I'm not a big CNN watcher or fan or anything, but they seem to have been making some changes the last few months because they have no choice. And today, there was just a big layoff at CNN. I saw it. I didn't read any details. You know, CNN's viewership has been so low for so long that I can only assume that they're being funded by someone on the Democrat Party side who just wants that as a propaganda outlet. And maybe they're just maybe the, the money spigots being turned off. That's what I that's my yeah. take on it. 
But, you know, Disney has a very unique brand, right? I mean, it's supposed to be about kids and wholesome and everything like that. And, <laughs> yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's not it's not a CNN of the world. So when you start diving into politics like, you know, the don't say gay bill and all that kind of stuff down in Florida, you're really you're really shooting yourself in the foot. Their, their latest movie was another huge flop as well, isn't it? Yeah, it sure was. I think, I think it was like one, it was cost over a hundred million dollars for production and everything. And they were planning on $20 million opening weekend. And I think it ended up being 1.8 million was all that they had in the chosen, which was wonderful. By the way, the season three, episode one and two kicked butt at the theater because it was opening that same weekend and uh, yay for Christian film. So sorry. <laughs> take that disney so i'm just wondering you know is the market having some effect um, well, of course. would be phenomenal of course that's the only things they care about um, they don't have moral standards to stand by like they really don't i don't think they, I don't think they really care that much about the market gina i think they only care about the market when they're literally about to collapse uh i think that for the, for someone on their side I think that they're basically loss leaders. Their 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 existence is is not to make money, but to be the propaganda outlet to drown out the conservative voices on Fox News or OAN or or Newsmax or whatever. Um, I, I think I don't think that they're so they're just there to be money. the influencers of culture. Yes. yes. Yeah, I, I think if if money was their primary or um, the primary oh. thing they were concerned about, and the market was the primary thing they they were concerned about. They, they would have reigned back a lot sooner. Exactly. Right. I, I, we all agree on that part. I'm just saying there's a breaking point for everybody. And there's no question CNN is making some changes. How meaningful yeah, well, they well, are, how the, permanent, who knows. But Well, that'd be the same thing with Disney. They can only lose so much money until their parks have to shut down. They let go of all their employees. There is a point where they have to change their thing. Their money still is going to come into play. It may not be their top priority, and that may be the influence over the culture, but the money's still going to hit them. They still have employees to pay, parks to run, and DeSantis didn't make it any easier on their budget, did he? Look, yeah, out, I mean, for the, look out for the child enrichment bill that goes through giving $20 billion to Disney. Yeah. And speaking of DeSantis, I mean, he continues to score points uh, for him to be one of the only ones to come out and speak out about Apple and what's going on there and all the big tech stuff. I mean, it shows me that he's got his finger on the pulse, you know. Well, Christy Nome, she, I don't know if you saw in South Dakota, so she's banned TikTok on all the government phones. So good for her for doing that. Would it be mean to say that Apple is a low-hanging fruit? Say it again. <laughs> a horrible thing to say. Apple is a low-hanging fruit. I think it is. I, I, I'd like to see DeSantis well, it, come out against the Ukraine war, for instance. You would think it's a low-hanging fruit, but I don't see Republicans on mass coming out and saying much to you. How well, has DeSantis backed Carrie Lake? I'm sorry. Has DeSantis uh, said anything about Arizona? Not yet. Not that I know of. He's, See, that, he's never been vocal about. Like. He doesn't talk about stolen elections, does he? Not that I've heard. Well, he he touted the fact that Florida got all their votes in uh, 
pretty cool. Well, that he's talked about. He's that, talked that about he... cleaning up the voter rolls in Florida and bringing integrity to the election, but he's never yeah. been vocal about the non-integrity elections. I mean, he'll make fun of another state, I think, for not yeah. being able to count, but he doesn't seem to want to, you know, go into that area of stolen elections. Um, how much do we feel that Arizona was stolen again? I think it was stolen. And yeah. I think I said I said a couple of weeks ago, Carrie Lake was a fool for sounding so cop so confident that it was going to go her way. She should have been making the case that it was stolen, even when she was in the lead or when well, she wasn't in the lead, but even when it was close and she thought she was going to win, she should she should have been making the case for being stolen right right from the get-go because there's really no reason why these elections are always why the counting is halted and it takes days and days to count them. I mean it, they counted what uh, over 10 million ballots in Florida by by 10 or 11 o'clock that night. They could count the votes. I mean, there's only one reason why these things get delayed, and that's to see how many votes are needed to to be created or found. And and it's always in favor of the Democrats. I mean, Lauren Boebert is a potential exception, um, but it always goes in favor of the Democrats. Um, I assume we've all been exposed to that big town hall or whatever it was when people came and yelled at the Maricopa County Board of Elections. And it hopefully will bring home to many more Americans, what some of us know already. Politicians do not care an iota what people think or say. And, you know, Ed, you and I testified remotely at a committee and we've asked the question before the committees give a hoot what anybody says. And I think that meeting brought home so strongly and you heard the guy actually yelling, you guys don't care what we say. You just sit here. I think the real story, I think the real story of Maricopa County though, is that Maricopa County is run by Republicans, establishment Republicans. Mm -hmm. And I think they, those establishment Republicans took one look and one listen at what Carrie Lake said she was going to do. And they decided they'd rather have a Democrat. And I think they've worked together with the Democrats. And I think that's the real story of, of Arizona and, and, and of that election. I agree. Uh, and how much are people noticing? I mean, the people who were there at that meeting knew they were talking to Republicans. And let's, think, not, let's think, not forget Alaska. Where the, the people the know it's stolen. Defeat a Republican again. Most of the people know it's stolen. I think. I think that you know, if I don't, if you don't mind, I think that sort of segue is a good segue into one of the biggest stories of the week, which to me was Bolsonaro in in Brazil talking with the military there about invoking the Brazilian Constitution to overturn what they what they claim is a rigged election, and. I think that's that's something that scares the left. And I think that's I don't think that we're going to solve this problem by by pleading with the left to, to be fair. Um, you know, it's it's a dangerous situation what's going on in Brazil, but uh, the left deals with force and they're only going to respond to force. And uh, I think what Bolsonaro is, is doing down there is, is worth watching. And can you just bring me up to date? Now, he lost an election. Do they have like this long period of lame duckness like we have? Who is actually in charge today? I think he's still in charge. He had a whole bunch of uh, legal challenges that the Supreme Court of Brazil denied. Uh, but he claims that that the court is corrupt and uh, is 
working in favor of the the Marxist candidate that defeated him. And uh, there's some provision in the Brazilian constitution, which I, I forget, I think it's article 142 maybe, but I, I didn't I didn't look it up before I got on the show today. I apologize for that. Uh, but it does it does give the, the military or from what I've read, it does give the military uh, a role in removing or preventing the ascension to power of somebody who's illegally put into office. And but as far as you know, Bolsonaro is still in office. I believe that's the case. Yes. And yeah, again, we're not, I guess we're not experts on foreign constitutions. And obviously our constitution doesn't have any type of uh, a clause like that one. No, but it's still, it's still interesting to see that he's willing to fight and fight all the way to the end. And if the military backs him and, and puts him back in power, it'll be a very interesting turn of events for sure. Am I correct that Brazil is kind of the last bastion there in South America? Last bastion for what? As a stopping any Chinese type of normal over the Western Hemisphere? Yeah. Keeping yeah, China will, out. I think that's a fair assessment. So, yeah, it's. Do you have any sense of where it's going to end? No, because we don't know. We don't know what he's willing to do. We don't know what the military is willing to do, but it's, I think it's definitely noteworthy newsworthy that the fact that they're talking about it is, is has been made public. I mean, it's one thing. If I know talking there, about there, was, there were massive protests, weren't there? But um, yes. the, the re reporting on those has been sort of typically of mainstream media where they reported it initially and then they've completely ignored it. And, and so you're left, unless you're, you hunt it down, you're left not knowing whether those protests are continuing or not. Well, but I think that the, the fact that they've tried to memory hole it just shows how scared they are of the situation. You know, in, in the U.S., you know, they still are talking about January 6th, like it happened last week. Mm. But, you know, in Brazil, you know, the people were, you know, there were massive protests, probably bigger than here. And, you know, they don't want to talk about it. But I think it's a huge story. I think it's an even bigger story than what's going on in China, frankly. Potentially, yeah. So, I mean... But we know exactly how it will be cast, won't it? it he will then be a, a right-wing dictator if he comes... A right-wing coup. Yeah. Yes. Exactly. But what's the alternative? To surrender? I mean, they stole an election. Oh, no, I'd like him to do it. Um, you know, and I, I hope the military backs him to do it. But um, uh, we, we know exactly how it would be presented in the in our media, US media, uh, UK, Europe. You know, Pinochet did that, you know, 50 years ago in Chile and helped save the country and save the mm. country from the communists. I, I don't think that it's I, I don't think it's necessarily a different situation now. I think that you can he can he can do good and you know Pinochet you know left office. Yeah. So, um, we know we Bolsonaro is a known quantity. He's been in office. We know what he stands for. I I, I stand with him. 
Oh, absolutely. It was, I mean, it was it's definitely a stolen election because the 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 only region that went with the um, socialist candidate or Marxist candidate is the region that's most notorious for corruption. Yeah. And in America, we have no mechanism to overturn elections. So. Well, we have we have ways of dealing with things, but you know well, that goes they, to the to the been... the process of the electors when it comes to uh, a federal or the presidential election. Yeah, well, that kind of bombed, didn't it? <laughs> yes, it did. <laughs> well, I mean, if there's one thing that Trump's loss and now Carrie Lake's loss should should show forever is that you can't wait until after the election to start complaining about things. I mean, if you're going to make these accusations and challenges, you better do it before the election. Okay, but what were they supposed to do about Maricopa County where all the machines malfunctioned? I mean, good question. They had tried and they had the support of the RNC to get the hours extended. So they tried to do stuff at the beginning. They were just turned down. Right. Well, so when, you know, in the courts, it's either not ripe or moved. You know, I mean, I, I got to tell you, in New Jersey, uh, you know, we vote. It's it's, a, it's electronic. You go in the booth and you press the button and you get the red X or whatever. At this point, I, I'm like, you know, that was probably stupid on my part to even go into the booth this year or anymore. I might as well just get my my paper ballot and, you know, put it in, in the in the in the the drop. At least I know I, I filled it out. Nobody's going to change it. They can't say they didn't, you know, I mean, could they still do something? Probably, but, you know, uh, at, at least I feel more comfortable than going in a booth and then something malfunctions. And then it's like, what recourse do you have then? Yeah, but even if you've got the paper ballots and they're going through the tabulators, if the tabulators are only reading 50% of the votes it's, passed, it's, then what the heck? You, well, that's why I'm saying no like some, people, some people still say, oh, we should go back to paper ballots. Well, stuff can happen with the paper ballots, too. Yeah, you know they can mean? end up like all the absentee ballots that I, end up in a ditch. But what in happened in, Mar in Arizona? A lot of people went into a, a booth and it was electronic and then there was a problem and they they were left with no recourse in terms of having their vote cast. They didn't know. I, mean, I don't know what you do. Didn't one of the election officials say everyone had the opportunity to to vote, which was which was clearly a lie. Um, that was what he said. However, you know, other people are bringing up the fact that people were not able to wait in three hour lines. They were not able to drive to your next polling location because that's what they were doing was sending them to other polling locations, you know, away from their house. And they were saying how disenfranchised that is for a lot of people that just weren't able to go cast their vote. And I mean, that's ridiculous. From the time the polls opened, people weren't able to cast their vote. It was just... The, the irony is that that's actual voter suppression, right. which is the, the phrase used yeah. by the other side mm -hmm. for, for actually tidying up your elections and making them um, legal and decent. Um, you know, but the actual voter suppression they're happy with. Mm -hmm. well, Daniel, I have a saying that I've used on this show since the beginning, and it's that every accusation the left makes is actually a confession. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, a confession makes it sound too Christian. We need a more secular word for it, don't we? 
Maybe Stacey Abrams should run in Maricopa County with all the voter support. It's actually a boast. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's in your face. And, and they don't really care what's discovered. And again, you know, the, the lack of influence citizens have over elected officials, and they can get smugger and smugger because they can rig any election they want to. And, you know, they used to say about the left that if you don't let them have peaceful redress, that will lead them to violence. You're not allowed to say that on the right because you end up in, you know, the J6 jail cells. But certain point there has to be an explosion well and that's why i go back to bolsonaro's conversations with the military are so uh such a big development in my opinion i do not disagree with you at all um do you think trump had those conversations with the military no no they couldn't stand him was it with Uh, exactly even if he did they they were not on his side I mean, they were actively undermining him. The military and the FBI. I mean, the FBI suppressing the the Hunter Biden tapes, uh, the Hunter Biden laptop story. The military, you know, Millie calling the Chinese, telling them, don't worry, we're not going to let Trump take power. I mean, I don't think anybody was on his side. How in the living heck could there never have been repercussions for that? I, I, I don't know that he should be he should have been tried for treason let alone that is that is absolutely treason yeah yeah that that really was unbelievable nobody even gives a hoot and obviously you know there's a little bit of um talk about the hunter biden thing being you know hidden and now all the the press is trying is suddenly admitting yeah it was true it really was true all along you got elon musk out there teasing he's yes release the information on how they squashed it. But again, mm-hmm. there's no do-over for an election that was changed by it. So it's, you know, drip it out when it doesn't matter much anymore. Isn't there a case that that um, can still theoretically lead to a do-over election, though? I don't um, think there's, there's one that I read about recently that um, is from Ohio, uh, from a guy in Ohio who's put this forward. And um, the case from Utah, Brunson versus Adams. That's it. Utah. Yeah. Yeah. And it's 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 up on appeal. The They filed a petition with the Supreme Court petition for certiorari. All mm. the lower courts ruled against them, though. So, yeah, I would be shocked if the Supreme Court accepted the case. But it's it's pending right now. It's in review, isn't it? They've, they've agreed to review it. No, they're they're being asked to review it. Oh right, okay. They haven't, just, they haven't said whether they'll take it yet or not. Right. I would be shocked if they say yes, we'll hear it. Yeah, and on the Hunter Biden thing, you're not going to overturn an election by saying we think it would have changed votes. So, because there's no way you could prove that one, unfortunately, whether we know it to be true or not. Right, and I mean. For that narrow legal point, I mean, that would be the right call. We don't want judges to sub- to guess who they think would have won. Right. Right. We don't want that. Right. My, my argument would be if you could absolutely be on a shadow of it out prove that votes were switched, that's where I would want a judge to intervene. And that's where we could argue, but not on the supposition that it would have changed the outcome of the election. So, and maybe it's a little weirder when you talk about Pennsylvania changing the rules of an election and whether that changed an election and should a court, you know, flip a vote because of that. 
well, not just change the rules, but Pennsylvania in 2020 changed the rules in such a way that was inconsistent with the Pennsylvania Constitution. Right. And even there, courts will not be in love with saying you got to do it over. Well, the, the I mean, that was the most that was the most egregious of the decisions in 2020. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court said uh, the lower court, the, the appellate court had said, yes, this was unconstitutional, so you shouldn't certify the electors. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court said, we're not even going to get to the merits because nobody challenged this law within 90 days. And it, they invoked a doctrine called latches, which means you waited too long, you sat on your rights, nobody can challenge it, which was nonsense. But even if it were, even if there were some requirement to challenge it within a certain time, if something was if something was an illegal act, it was an illegal act, and it shouldn't. It doesn't have any force of law, but that's what they ruled. And U.S. Supreme Court didn't take it up. You know that was the Supreme Court didn't take that case up on cert. So I, I would be shocked if they take this Utah case up on cert. Certiorari. What's interesting in Arizona, you know, how big a deal is the conflict of interest that you're running against the person in charge of the election? Yeah, I mean, Democrats are all Democrats. They're all on the same team. I don't think it would have made a difference. Mm -hmm. Although had it been the other way, they would have made the Republican recuse themselves from anything to do with anything. As I said, the, the Maricopa County was run by Republicans and didn't matter. I mean, I think the Republicans were as scared of Cary Lake as the Democrats were. Right. And McConnell got what he wanted in Alaska. Um. We'll and say I, the four-letter expletives for him. Yes. <laughs> and I don't really want to get involved in the Trump Fuentes Milo <laughs> business. I think like a broken clock, McConnell is right. What he said about Trump. Um, Trump really shot himself in the foot with that. But for the most part, I'm against 99% of what McConnell does or says. So can I argue the opposite? Sure. Um, I've actually, as it's gone on, uh, I saw Trump's explanation and I believe Trump's explanation and Trump's explanation was that, um, Kanye had been a good to him and a good personal friend and was someone who was clearly in distress, has mental health issues and requested a meeting and Trump agreed. And that may not be the most politic thing to have done, to have agreed to that. Uh, it, it may not be the thing that looks good, but it, I think that actually speaks better of him as a human being. But what about the other guy, Fuentes? I don't care about Kanye. How the other guy, you know, when you get invited to the president for dinner, can you just bring somebody along? A plus but why was Kanye hanging out with the white supremacists to begin with? Oh. What <laughs> sense does any of that even make? Come on. A Mexican white supremacist. Yeah, but, yes. uh, <laughs> but I don't buy this thing. Trump is out there saying, I had no idea who the guy is. I, that one I found a little bit weak. I, he may have known him. I, I, I don't uh, disbelieve him when he says he didn't know who he was. I mean, there was a um, big stink because of Michelle Malkin basically got canceled because she had something to do with him. I mean, it, it's not hidden. And you don't go to the president's house without being vetted by somebody. But I think, uh, I yeah, think I we've mean, got to have a point where we say, you know, we're accepting their terms and we're accepting right. their boundaries. And, you know, 
they can run off and have a meeting with Louis Farrakhan, but you can't meet with Kanye, yeah. you know? And, right. and we can't let the left and the Dems and the Marxists keep defining everything and, yeah. and work within the boundaries they set. And the boundaries they set is this person is toxic, and if you so much as are in the same room as them, you are a white supremacist. But I can uh, gather with and meet with all kinds of uh, black far supremacists, worse people. Islamic mm-hmm. supremacists. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they've met in the rooms with people who've actually killed people. They've pardoned people who set bombs, and yeah. they are still considered respectable. How is that? Uh, yeah, Obama, because they Obama, control the media, obviously. Obama got away with being in Jeremiah Wright's pew. I mean, come on. No, yeah. he just hung and out Bill there Ayers once in a while, Bill Ayers living room. Yeah, and Bill Ayers, too. He, he barely knew those people, just people in the neighborhood. But the point yeah, is, because exactly, they control the Bill Ayers is huh? a perfect example. You know, an actual terrorist who, who bombed people <laughs> or tried to kill people. And he shared an office with Obama. And that's acceptable. And that's respectable. Um, and yet we're saying at the same time that, um, you know, yes, the things that, that um, Kanye said about Jews were vile. And I don't know Fuentes, but um, some of the reports I've heard of some of the things he said, yes, it's vile. Um, but we're saying that having a dinner with those guys is worse than um, associating with actual terrorists. Okay, so let me look at it. I, I love your point, Daniel. But on the other hand, it doesn't it speak to his judgment? I mean, does he not know what's going to follow from meeting with a guy like that? Oh, I think I think, I think if it, Trump had a meeting with Rosa Parks, they'd call him a white supremacist immediately afterwards. But he, you know? but, uh, um, but yes, there's I there's think a judgment, judgment issue. But there comes a point where we have to forget about appearance, and you think what's important here: appearance or power. But you know, what possible we still worry you know, about appearance. We still worry about appearance. There's a story out there that the other side. I don't know when if you're there's a story election. that Milo set this whole thing up to screw Trump. I, I think Trump's judgment is that he doesn't give a damn what people think about him. And I think that speaks good to his judgment. I have a lot of issues with Trump's judgment, but <laughs> on this, I mean. You know, I don't really care one way or the other about the story. It's not a big deal one way or the other to me, but. Uh, the idea that he's a, an anti-Semite or, or a white supremacist is just so beyond laughable. I mean, he's got Jewish grandchildren. He, you know, he, he you know, got the Abraham Accords, you know, uh, agreed to. The guy is as far from an anti-Semite as they are, as they come. He's as far from a racist as they become, as they, as they come. And it's just, it's just nonsense. Uh, nothing. Really- at at Mari Largo, they didn't allow Jews before, um, before Trump took it over, you know, uh, but, his record is is better than any other U.S. president on the treatment of Jewish people, um, as far as I can see. Um, you know, with the Abraham Accords, with the things Ed has mentioned, he's got nothing to prove there. And you know, we should get to the point where we say, "Well, sorry, you don't get to define who's toxic yeah. because you're associating yeah. with terrorists." Well, uh, there's such hundred percent. I mean, the, the left was willing to take his money. They were lo- would look the other way with people like Harvey Weinstein, and we could go on and on. If they ha- had power and they had money and they were cutting checks, they didn't. They don't care about anything that you say or do. 
It's the fact that Trump left the reservation. Yeah, um, but we should stop caring about everything that they yeah. say, you know, and Don't everything care. that they label as toxic. We and could say, you know, when you're accused of something like that, you need to come out and say, look, I'll listen to you when you stop associating with terrorists and when you stop um, associating with people who call white people devils. And you that's know? essentially what Trump's, that's what Trump's said. I mean, he didn't say those words, but I mean, Steve invoked his his judgment and I think that's basically the judgment Trump made. I don't care what they think. Well, I think Daniel's putting it a lot better than that. Thank you. Okay. But it, but it is about power. And, and once we accept their definitions of people and them saying this guy's a white supremacist and this person is perfectly respectful, even though they're an Islamist, um, once we accept those double standards and we accept those definitions, we're conceding all the power to them immediately. But I just think, you know, your explanation is a lot better than I had no idea who the guy was. Um, well, I, I mean, I can believe that from Trump because I didn't know who Fuentes was. So, <laughs> Yeah, you, you're not getting paid what he's getting paid to know who he meets with. I think he could have come out with your statement would have been a lot better. But be that as it's may. Okay. What are the big topics that I China. covered, guys? China, man. China. That's what I thought. Let's talk about China. <laughs> Tell us something about China, Mike. Well, listen, uh, obviously, uh, the COVID lockdowns there have um, potentially been a, a spark that at this point, I mean, we don't know where it's going to lead. Uh, but, um, you know, the, you know, they're dealing with a totalitarian government and this may this may be uh, the thing that leads to, you know, some, uh, them being overturned down the road. Uh, who knows? But, I think we you know, do know where this is going to lead. It's going to lead to a brutal crackdown. There's going to be thousands, if not millions of people killed. I don't think G would blink an eye if he had to kill 500 million people. They've got 1.5 billion people. If they lost half a billion, they'd say it's 500 million people we don't have to feed. Well, and, and the rest well, of them can, can take a lesson from how many we killed, that if they open their mouths, they're going to get killed too. Well, especially the, the, when America cannot oppose them in any way. Yeah, I was going to mention that too. What came out of the Biden administration spokesperson was disgusting. They can't even bring themselves to condemn totalitarianism and support people who are... Uh, um, oh, you know what? Even if they did, it will be as as bogus as Justin Trudeau. Yeah, yeah. I know. I mean, you know, but still, they're, they're still. I mean, yes, they should be condemning it, but they're in, they're in a no win situation just because of how evil they are. Well, in their own right. I, I think what you're saying Ed, speaks to the point that there's going to be no change there unless the military were to turn. It would have to be a military coup, right? I mean. Well, if, if the leader is telling you to go kill your family and friends in the streets, you know, you, I don't think you have so family and friends in a communist dictatorship like that. The family is the party, just like the Germans would kill their dogs and would kill their oh. own family. Um, I don't think that would matter. I, I agree with Ed. I don't think he'd had any qualms at all about killing half the population there. Well, they, the may, they between... may have to. The big difference between today's protests and Tiananmen Square in 1989 is that in 1989, you were talking about 
a very much narrower, smaller protest at a right. university, you know, by Tiananmen Square. Whereas this is protests that are breaking out across the country involving potentially millions of people. Um, but I think in the end, I don't think Xi is going to have a problem mowing them down. Uh, Xi just consolidated all of his power less than two months ago. He eliminated all of his opposition. I think that he knew things were coming. Um, it had been my supposition that he was preparing for an invasion of Taiwan and was ready to stifle dissent. Uh, and I think that was the purpose of the lockdowns in the first place, to make sure people knew you keep your mouth shut and you do what we tell you. Um, but I think he's I think for the same reason he was prepared to do the lockdowns in the first place, he's prepared to kill as many of them as he has to. That's that's my take on it. Um, maybe the military is going to go soft, but I, I doubt it. I mean, their military is preparing for war with the with the United States. I don't think they're going to go soft. And this is this is consistent in Chinese history as well, which a lot of Westerners don't know. Um, you know, it's that you look at things going back as far as like the Taiping revolt. Uh, I think they had 20 million people or so die in that. Um, they, you know, every Chinese leader has has killed huge numbers of people by Western standards. Um, you know, the Cultural Revolution. Um, um, if you read Wild Swans, which is very good on um, Mao's ascent to power, he killed five or six million people when he was only in charge of one region um, before he was in overall control of China as a whole. Um, you know, that was before the Long March. So, you know, he'd already killed five to six million people at that point. Um, and no Chinese leader is going to be afraid of killing people. Well, I think people... People are a little confused by what happened in the, at the end of the Soviet Union and Yeltsin standing on the tank and and the Soviets basically backing down, even though they they you know they locked Gorbachev up and they tried to have a coup and I mean they they wanted to do a crackdown but um, they just they lost the will and I don't I mean that was the difference uh, there was yeah the, the, the Chinese members, haven't lost the will exactly there were some members of the Ch Russian the Soviet communist you know the Russian Communist Party and in the military that wanted to crack down, but there were others that didn't. Um, in China today, I think that the forces of reform have been routed, and I don't think there's anybody that's gonna lack the will to, to put this down. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that, that this is the beginning of the end of the Communist Party in China, but I really don't think so. I think that we're gonna see a bloodbath and it's gonna be really ugly. I don't think we're gonna see a bloodbath. I think that's even uglier. We will not know of any of it, because how would we All find right. out? Well, yeah, because Apple's going to shut it all down. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And it's also scary to me that we don't use this as, oh, my God, this could happen to us if we don't change the direction we're going in, that, you know, people could burn to death in their houses because they're literally locked in. I don't think did anybody... You see Klaus Schwab, did you see Klaus Schwab um, praising China as a model? When? What, just nations? now? Sorry? Just now? It was a few now, days ago. Or it was a few days ago. Yeah. Mm. And you got Fauci saying, you know, that's where he got his lockdown model from. So if excuse me, if anything, we're jealous. And that that's horrifically scary. We should be looking at that and saying, we got to turn this ship around. But we're not. And yeah. 
I, I don't have any hope for them whatsoever. Again, especially under under the current American administration, which they seem to own lock, stock, and barrel. Maybe with Trump, they would have thought he's crazy enough to do something, but not with this administration. Mm-hmm. So why shouldn't they butcher their people? True, but you know, we're now past the midterms and we're only about seven or, seven or eight months from the beginning of debates for, for the Republicans for... Um, you know, to come up with a challenger to whoever the Democrats are going to put up. And so we're getting close to a presidential primary season. Uh, the Chinese must be thinking that the clock is ticking on Taiwan and on all anything else that they want to do while they've got their puppet in the office. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, um, you know, there, there was, I don't know if you saw, there was the story about the, the, uh, uh, vehicles that the Secret Service had rented for Biden. All what is that about? Blowing up. What, is, what does that mean? I mean, I, I interpreted it as a warning to Biden that you better not run. Really? What else could that be? I, I can't make any sense out of it at all. Blow up. Right? And especially presidential vehicles that get inspected a hundred times. I mean, I don't see how that can be anything other than a message to Biden. And I, I don't think it was sent by the Chinese, but I think the Chinese would take it that way. Hey, this we don't know how long this guy's going to be in office. They may remove him themselves. And so they need, I think they're going to be thinking they need to act sooner rather than later. Both, I mean, quelling the protest, the, they can't let the protests go much longer. Um, I agree with your point on that. Gina, what's your take on the cars exploding? You got to unmute. Sorry, I, I muted. I muted because the dogs are barking. I didn't hear anything about that. So I have no take on it whatsoever. <laughs> Well, apparently five cars that they had used for him in Martha's Vineyard after they were returned to the rental call agency blew up and they were not the same makes and models. It wasn't just because of recall. They right. I, I don't know what to were, make. were they electric vehicles? I don't think so. <laughs> when, no, when did I, this happen? Over the weekend. Monday or something. Really? I think they blew up. I don't know how I missed that one. Jeez, oh, Pete's. Mike, you're the insurance agent. Uh, <laughs> What That's do you make of the story? Does the story mean anything? I don't get it. How could it happen? I, I'm, I'm not sure that I have much of a take on it either. Um, so it's hard to say coincidence when five cars blow up. Yeah, and that would be a very not subtle way to get a message to Biden. I don't think they've used up all the subtle ways. <laughs> I just don't know. I don't. What I don't know whether. Um, what else could it mean? registers much with um, dementia sufferers. What else could that mean? I, mean, I don't know. That would be a mafia world, kind of a thing. I, I just. Other than it being the world's most gigantic coincidence ever that five vehicles blew up all at the same time, I mean, it had to be a message. It's just too blunt for me. So, have they put out any reporting as to like? One gas tank threw sparks off and it ignited this domino effect. Have they said anything about it? I just heard that one car, there was some kind of recall on possibly. And Mm -hmm. like we say, nobody gets into a car that's anywhere near the president. I don't think that gets, that doesn't get inspected head to toe. So I just, but, but I, I just don't understand. Maybe it was somebody that was really mad about this Chevron drilling in Venezuela. And they're like, we're going to show you what we think of your gas tanks, Biden, or so. I don't know. 
I mean, it could be that, you know, a friend of Hunter's uh, love child that was upset he didn't get a stocking or something. Yeah. I, I just, it's just too mafia-like for me to, th to think that it was aimed at Biden. I don't know. What about the Democrat Party thinks that you're, they're beyond mafia-type threats? Because they don't need it yet. <laughs> I don't think they've used any of the other threats. I think, I think Biden has, even before the midterm elections, Biden was making noises about running again. And since the midterms, he's been pretty cocky that he thinks he won. Well, I happen to agree with him. And I, I happen to believe, at, as of the current moment, he thinks he's going to run. And I happen to agree that they don't want him to run. I just think oh. they, they have a whole bunch of cards to play and arrows in the quiver before blowing up his cars. So... Maybe they want to do it. Maybe they want to do it sooner. I mean, you're right. The time is not in their favor because if you haven't decided you're running for president now, you don't have that much more time to start building. Right. Does anyone know where Hillary was? <laughs> <laughs> God. Perhaps she may have been busy wiping her phones or something. I don't know. The, 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 the car committed suicide right there. There you yeah. go. The car <laughs> yeah, Just another one. Yeah, I, I don't know what to make of it. Um, what's also going on interesting is all the uh, rewriting of history on COVID. With now the lockdowns, we're just sort of, yeah, you could do a lockdown if you want. Ivermectin as a horse dewormer, that doesn't mean we said you shouldn't use it. It just sort of we were kind of commenting on it. And and again, 1984 style, none of us who read 1984 didn't have the at least passing thought of this is ridiculous. No one's that stupid. No one that no one is that blatant. And yet it's happening right in front of our eyes that after what they did with ivermectin, they're saying, no, we never told people not to use ivermectin. <laughs> I mean, it's good in a sense that they're they're having to rewrite the narrative to an extent, isn't it? Yes, but where's the where's the protest? Yeah, it's just it's unbelievable. Old news. It's old news. Old news. I mean, what they did to I mean, Ivermectin uh, day after day. We could probably go back on the archives of this show and read fifty stories that we talked about what they did about Ivermectin. But I mean, aren't we seeing them? ready to do another push for mask mandates i mean by the way that's they're, coming they're not, up more and more and i don't think you know, I've and, heard uh, story some big psychologist or something um professor somewhere said that there's psychological benefits to wearing yeah. the mask you saw that i i saw you shared a link um i'm like yeah, what we're nuttiness but oh, you know psychological benefit child. was we don't have to think Mm -hmm. Yes. Well, it was almost close to that, as we don't have to worry about our safety or something. I. Yeah. But again, he's. Well, like, I, I think. Uh, I think Fauci was still saying too that the virus came about naturally. And, yes, uh, and Fauci also was very. And Fauci gave a silent answer on if schools should close down again later this year, mm -hmm. and he couldn't answer that. Right. Yes. Unreal. Yes. Unreal. It's, but it's, it's not as unreal as little teddy bears dressed in bondage clothing. That, I think, is something that mm -hmm. people should be really, really outraged about. I mean, where, where is, oh, the Balenciaga thing? Oh, look how good you pronounce that. That's I great. just made that one up. I have no idea. Is that how to pronounce it? 
Yes, you did so good. Tell me, Gina, what is, I've never heard of that company in my life. No, so it is. It, so they're like for the big wigs, for Emmy award shows, Oscar award shows, they do all the fancy crap. Um, Nicole Kidman, Kim Kardashian, they are, they've got contracts with them, whatever, you know. Um, but the fact that they have scrubbed their website of all of these old photos, like they did a campaign with Adidas that had a bunch of books in the background about child pornography. It had a court case, a Supreme Court case about child pornography. I mean, just all this different crap that they have in these photo shoots they've had to wipe. And um, I think there should be charges pressed against whoever actually took those pictures with those children. I think that's 100% child abuse and they all should be not just held accountable as far as losing um, celebrity clientele, which they probably won't do because you know they get paid very well, but it just sickened me to see that. Well, they're that suing the company that made those ads or something. They right? are suing the photographer and they're suing the advertising firm. But wow. this isn't the first time they've used that advertising firm. And it's not the first time that that stuff has been in their ads. And that's bullcrap that they say no. I mean, they're, they're going to have to try and prove that in court that they had no idea. I mean, that's just ridiculous. Before we publish something on a small website, it gets proofread and looked at it. I mean... That's just a joke. But why is that? It's not really child pornography in any sense. They just took it off the library shelves of any elementary school, didn't they? <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. I mean, Mike, had you heard of the company before? No. I hadn't. Ed? Nope. Daniel? No, I'd never heard of them either. But yeah, you know, I don't really um, associate with Kim Kardashian much. So. Yeah, no, it's one of those pop culture things. Like you'll hear about the brand in secular music and rap songs. And yeah, they that's where people have heard. I mean, is it a brand it. like Prada or something? Oh, it's yeah, it's a little bit more fancy than Prada. Even fancier. Oh, yeah. Okay. Which means leftist. Yep. But there does seem to be that, that um, you know, if you look at LGBTQ+, the plus is basically anything that is illegal, depraved or sick, isn't it? Mm -hmm. And uh, and you look at queer theory as well. And it, it is basically, you know, it, it's kind of if you want to crap in each other's mouths on the street, then that's OK. And... Uh, um, and you've got to ask, like, kind of, why did the left want to push this stuff? Because they're definitely, I, I mean, I saw that about a play recently that, that got critically acclaimed. Um, and it was about society's mistreatment of child abusers. Um, you know, why is the left in favour of a paedophilia, apparently? They're in favor of anything that causes chaos. They're in favor of anything that causes people to not be normal and not be able to be self-reliant. Pedophilia victims, the vast majority of them have problems dealing with adulthood, dealing with being self-reliant, dealing with relationships. In, the, in, in meta terms, they need help. And the Democrat party is the party of help. That's their theory. You know what, maybe we should take the Democrat strategy of letting um, felons and everybody that's still in jail vote. Uh, because I know in the prison system, if they were to find out that the person they're voting for is a pedophile, they'd slaughter him. Pedophiles don't last in the prison system. So maybe we should just 
let them start voting and make sure they know that these are pedophiles. Or pedophile pusher, pedophile pusher, sorry. When, when I worked in prison many, many years ago, before most of you were born, I was surprised at how right wing a lot of the prisoners were when it came to criminal justice. Most of them were yeah. death penalty for mm-hmm. the other guy. <laughs> they were pretty harsh. Luckily, they were innocent of their own crimes, but because <laughs> that's the one thing you coincidentally yeah because they keep child molesters and pedophiles they keep them all locked in a separate area they can't be in housing together they can't go to chow together none of that mm-hmm. take them out we could switch them one for one couldn't we you know yeah. one one criminal out um one them in you know just do it like that yes but and how would you oh. tell the difference I was going to ask the same. The criminal would be more honest. Okay. (laughs) Um, Apparently, um, one of our best and brightest uh, representative, Sheila Jackson Lee, who said words can actually break your bones. I mean, I spent most of my childhood memorizing that little uh, poem. Right. About sticks and stones. I, I... and again, it's just this total opposite of reality but, disputed us. But but that that's that talk about an admission. I mean, that that's why they're all in a tither over Twitter, right? You say that five yeah, times I, fast. Yes, I can. In a tither over Twitter. Okay. <laughs> tither over Twitter. Yeah. But it is it is really like a teachable moment when you watch these people after Elon takes over Twitter and God forbid there's free free speech and the the way they object to it, it's just it's on it's really it's it's unreal. Well, one of the questions I want to ask some of them to like, I'm leaving Twitter because it's a cesspool of this and that. Well, wasn't it that a week ago? Yep. It's fine. Uh, It's always been a cesspool. It's always been. And now one week after Elon Musk takes it over, now you're leaving. And nobody asked them that question. Yeah, it's just now, that the cesspool people have to pay eight dollars a month now. That's why they're leaving. Right, but now there's going to be they're actually, they're the issue is leaving. again. The issue is it links in with the previous thing because yeah. the issue is they want to shut us up. <laughs> one one of the things that that Elon Musk is doing, isn't it? Is is he's making it more difficult for pedophiles to use Twitter um, to communicate with each other, um, okay. and uh, uh, maybe that's the primary objective. Uh, I think the I think the issue is the same as as when we talked at the beginning of the show about Apple. There are some people that are on the side of suppressing the free flow of information. Apple is on the side of suppressing the free flow of information, whether it's in China or the United States. Leftists in the United States do not believe in the First Amendment. They they do not they do not sh- think that it's just a nuance of whether the private sector or the government suppresses speech. They want speech suppressed period and musk has said his goal is to make twitter the public square marketplace for everybody to be able to speak and that is what they object to well they object they're leaving they object they object to us speaking yes (laughs) they object to us speaking but more generally they they believe on principle that there should be censors that there should be gatekeepers on information whether it's at Twitter, whether it's Dan Rather or Brian Williams or Walter Cronkite or any of the other news media that have been lying to us for, for decades. 
They believe that they should control information and that the information that the public is, get, is, is exposed to should be filtered through their narrative and their beliefs as if their narrative and beliefs are the only truth that's out there. That's the issue. Yep, amen. Spot on, as you Brits would say, or spot one. Okay, let's start wrapping up. Gina, what didn't we get to? Oh, God, why do you always go to me first? You make me... Because I like you the best. I don't know. Want me to go? Yes, please, Mike. He always does this. Well, real quick, um, I did watch the World Cup yesterday, and it was quite enjoyable to watch the Americans take out the Iranians. And it's also, to this point, I haven't seen any nonsense like we've seen with, uh, what's her name, Megan Rapinoe, the women's soccer player, and kneeling and all that kind of stuff so kudos you to the americans watch, you need to watch england games they're they're still kneeling they're still doing that mike yeah. if you uh, watch that i can I recommend mean, something even more exciting you can watch paint dry yeah <laughs> <laughs> well listen i mean uh it, it's nice to be able to cheer for your country and see the players just out there to play the game represent their country play hard and uh it's nice to have the icing on the cake, which is to take it to uh, an enemy nation and kick them out of the beat, the, knock them out of the tournament. But the Iranians had to sing their anthem this time, right? Because their family was threatened. Mm-hmm. Their family was threatened, and if they didn't win, they were threatening to kill their family. That's like the old a- North Korean way or the Russian yeah. way. Can I go out on a limb here for a minute, since no one's yelled at me or argued vociferously yet? Is the bringing of soccer more and more into this country part of globalization and trying to de-Americanize our youth? You know, New York City is about to spend $25 gazillion in Astoria to put up a major soccer stadium. And what makes America unique is we don't play that. We play real games like football and baseball. Well, Well, you know, smaller athletes like me need a sport to play other than football. So that's why we need soccer. Well, I played soccer for like 14 years and did travel league and all that kind of stuff, but I still couldn't watch it on TV. There's, I just, I can't handle that. Um, But there are areas, go ahead. Sorry, Ed. No, you finish and I'll say. I was just going to say, there's a lot of areas that have had these major soccer areas for a long time. San Antonio, or I think it's just North of San Antonio being one, but a lot of that comes from your Hispanic culture coming in because they're huge on football. So I do have a theory about that, and I think it's cultural and political. Um, And I've thought it ever since they tried to import soccer wholesale in the 1970s. Um, I think, well, I guess, Mike, you're old enough. Steve, you're old enough. The Cosmos. Yes. Um, I think soccer, by its nature, is a very collectivist game. It's a very team-oriented game. Uh, Of course, having the best player helps you, but... uh, the offsides rule in particular makes it almost impossible to, to for an individual one-on-one Michael Jordan kind of player to win a game by himself. You have to use your teammates. You have to be able to pass the ball and, and use team strategies to win. It's a collective game. And I think that's why it's so much more popular around the world and why it's never been popular here. In contrast to say a game like American baseball, which is a series of one-on-one pitcher versus batter, uh, third baseman throwing to first base, uh, catcher throwing to second base to throw the runner out. I mean, 
you know, hitting the relay man, hitting the cutoff man. Everything is a, is an individual one-to-one kind of thing in baseball. Uh, even American football, uh, while it has some team elements like blocking on the on the line and doing stunts on the defensive line, it's a lot of one-on-one matchups and it speaks to the individualist culture in America. Um, and I think soccer, it doesn't have that individualist culture. It's never one-on-one, it's one-on-five. I- and, and I think this that's is, this why is it, one it, this is one time that I think you're overanalyzing. <laughs> I think Americans like football because it's rough and tumble and all that. And there's a lot more athleticism and action. Um, you know, I, I think that's what Americans crave. And that's the reason soccer never really took off here. I think all the other team, every team. Soccer is rough and tumble. Soccer is mm, very. They kick a shin every now and then. Come on. Yeah, but that's not why we like baseball. Baseball is totally the I mean, rough and tumble. There, there is a cultural difference. Whether, whether it's a purposeful globalization or not was the point I'm asking. But of course, there's a difference in which is more collective and which is more, you know, individual. Baseball is very much one batter, two outs, bottom of the nine, three, two count. It's the only person that matters is him. Whereas, right. yeah. Um. And by yeah, the way, I mean, if, if our fearless until the ground hitter, ball is hit and then you need a double play and then you need three other guys. To but make. it's still the hitter. And, and it's all <laughs> about, you know what? No, even it's, it's not just the hitter, but it's, it's a ground ball, a shortstop. The shortstop doesn't get any help. He's got to feel that ball himself. He's got to throw the ball to first base himself. The first baseman has to catch it himself. Yeah. Did you see the Everything goal? Is did, you, individualist. did you see the goal yesterday at the American? School? Yes, it was a kick. The to goal is that the only kick. goal? It took. Yes. It took a, a great uh, play by one player to get it to the other guy before he kicked it in the net. <laughs> yeah, I don't think um, <laughs> I don't think many Europeans or Brits would ag- agree with that analysis. Ed, uh, uh, many places where football's popular would agree with that analysis. I mean, and you look at, at the the players that are remembered; they're remembered for individual moments of genius. They're they're not remembered for yeah. he was a great team player. They're, they're remembered for, well, look at that incredible piece of skill he did in that one particular moment. But they're so rare. I mean, it, what would how would soccer change if you got rid of the offsides rule, which is something they've been talking about for 30 or 40 years? Well, never everybody, everybody at school in the UK, uh, well, it used to be, we used to play in my school playground. We'd play with tennis balls for footballs when we were all about sort of seven or something. And um, uh, the kids don't play with the offside rule. So what happens is that you get like 11 kids standing right next to the goal. <laughs> and, and that's what happens when you don't have the offside rule. Yeah. See, and I'm just going to bring uh, in, so cultural, whatever you want to bring in, I don't think that really has much to do with it. Um, look at pickleball. Pickleball is blowing up. What's the reason pickleball is blowing up? Because people enjoy it and it's flipping fun, right? That's why people are playing pickleball. It's not because it's been brought in. Like that's growing. Different things grow at different times. The NBA wasn't always what it is now. I mean, I don't know. I just look at it as people are having fun and they're enjoying something. Pickleball so like older folks like me can have a sport. No, no you would not believe the leagues that they are yeah, playing I with young people. Right? Younger, oh younger, younger people? Really? Yes. Daniel, well, if you took what away is- the if you took away the offsides rule at the World Cup level, at the professional soccer level, you would have a lot more one-on-one play. 
But because of the offsides rule, you can have five defenders just converge on the ball handler and they don't pay yeah, a price. That, that, see, again, um, that is the sort of thing that happens uh, at junior level in the game. And uh, it's, it's not effective because if you have five people converge on one player, that player passes to someone else and they're completely open and can score a goal. Um, you know, so... Uh, no, that, but that not if they really get behind. I mean, that's the whole thing. They If the defense moves up, then you can't score a goal because the guy scoring the goal is going to be offsides. Yeah, but you've got to time it right. And and not many teams now play the... That's called the offside trap. And not many pl teams play it regularly all the time. All right. Um, I'm going to break off this conversation for the moment because we're very <laughs> late. What I suggest is... We do an entire episode on soccer versus the real game of football. <laughs> but even though Daniel is one of the smartest people I know, it is unfair to have four Americans and one Brit. So we should let him bring as many Europeans he wants <laughs> to the show <laughs> and make well, it a fair well, What I want to ask is, is, why don't you like rugby? I don't even rugby. know what rugby is. <laughs> rugby is rough. But yeah, we have we have, we have football, so but we don't. Think, that's why we I don't think need people would love rugby. I think they would love rugby, just like they love MMA. Isn't Look football how, being renamed to woke ball? Lacrosse la took off here in the last couple of decades. It wasn't mm -hmm. that big when I went to school in, in the eighties and things like that. But no, now, now they like, got teams at the high school. A lot of high school. Yeah. It's very very popular. Uh, but basketball is popular around the world too. Mm -hmm. you know? But football, I don't think is going to make it no matter how many times we ship games to Europe. Yeah, I mean, look, I mean, the major sports like football and baseball have made multiple ever efforts over the years to, you know, expand their footprint and uh, market the game and the sport in other countries. My my best friend and his wife, both British, uh, they each have a favorite NFL team <laughs> and they've flown out before to to see games so okay. there, there are some people over here who are into it well the nfl's had a game in in uh, the uk the last few years right yeah yeah but don't yeah, they, they play on the other side of the field or something sorry don't they play on the other side of the field in britain <laughs> <laughs> okay um, yeah and they all wear red coats <laughs> yes <laughs> daniel what didn't we talk about today that you would have wanted to um, just one minor thing from the UK, which is an example of the idiocy around race now, which was the, um, this 83-year-old woman who was a, um, a member of the royal household, uh, one of their staff, one of their maids, um, has got into trouble because she um, uh, asked a, a lady who was a, attending an event from a charity, uh, who was a black lady who's dressed in very traditional African-looking tribal wear, where she came from. And uh, asking her where she came from is considered racist. And uh, and she had to resign uh, in response to that. So the, that's just the level of kind of absurdity we've got now. Because words kill people. We just said that. Yeah. Words are violence. Wow. Unbelievable. Gina, did you change your mind? No. Okay. Then you're going to yield your time to Ed? I am. Well, we talked about the protests in Brazil. We talked about the protests in China. We haven't talked about the protests in Iran. Um, I think that uh, 
as much as it was nice to see the American soccer team win, uh, it might have been good for the for the political situation in Iran if the Iranian team had won because the celebrations would have been a great cover for the protests to expand, and the the government would have been hard pressed to try and suppress celebrations of a defeat of the United States. Um, I have a friend who's a refugee from there, and uh, as much as he hates the mullahs and and was is not for the current government. He was really hoping for for the Iranians to win because he thought that that would be the trigger for for the end of that regime. Um, nonetheless, I I think that there's a chance that that regime could could collapse. Um, I think it's something that's worth watching, and I think uh, the protests going on there are, are worth watching, even though they're not really being talked about here. What what difference do you see between the Iranian regime and the Chinese regime? Because earlier you know, you felt that there's no way that the, the population there would ever overthrow that government. What's to stop the mullahs in Iran from cracking down in the same way on their population? Do you see a cultural difference? Sure the, what differences do you see that now would make you think that they could be overthrown? Um, I think that there's a lot more uh, public opposition to the, to the mullahs. The Average age of the Iranian people is very young. Um, I think that there are signs that at least some members of the police already are starting to go soft on enforcing some of the rules and some of the crackdowns. Um, we don't know for sure. Um, I'm not going to predict that I think that they will succeed, but I think that there's a little bit more hope there. Uh, you know, Xi Jinping in China literally just two months, less than two months ago, solidified power, became dictator for life and destroyed all of his political opposition. He walked them out of the Communist Party Congress. Um, the Iranians are being led by some hardliners right now, but I just don't see them having the same stranglehold on power. I mean, they think that they do, but I think that there's a lot more cracks in their authority than there, than there is with the Chinese Communist Party. I would just add that it's not super recent history, but the Iranians do have a history of freedom. Um, yes, that's the other thing. There's a little bit about that still in their culture. They, they were more pro-Western, obviously, before. Right, even though it's already a couple the, revolu the revolution in the 70s. Yeah, so they, they have a small prayer. With that, we will say goodbye for the evening. Please send feedback to the Conservatarian Exchange at libertyblock.com. We will be back next Wednesday, regular time, hopefully with everybody here together once again. Have a wonderful evening.